0: Good afternoon, everyone. A plant cannot bear fruit until it grows and reaches a certain level of maturity. In the Bible, spiritual growth is often likened to that of various plants, such as vines, trees, and fields of grain. And like cultivated plants, Christians are expected to grow, to mature, and to produce fruit. In today's sermon, I want us to examine this analogy and what it can teach us about spiritual growth and maturity. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. But we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So we see here that the church is likened to God's field. And in this particular analogy, the Ministers are likened to workers in the field, but God gives the increase. The ministers are given the task of facilitating the growth of the plants, as it were. Implied here is the expectation that we, the people of God, will be growing, maturing, and eventually bearing fruit. We read in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the edifying of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things to Him who is the Head, Christ. So we are to be growing up, we are to be maturing. The ministry exists to facilitate growth. And we are all to grow up, in in other words, to mature into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, verse 9, Colossians 3 and verse 9 says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now, the word translated renewed here is the Greek anakino, which means to grow up and hence to be renewed. As we mature spiritually, we are to put off the corrupt carnal nature of our natural selves and be renewed in knowledge, that is, renewed in our thoughts, in our minds after the image of God and of Christ that created us who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Colossians 3 and verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek then those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So we are to seek God, to seek Christ, hunger and thirst for righteousness. As we read in Matthew 5, verse 6, Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So we need to hunger for a greater knowledge of Jesus Christ, a more meaningful and complete relationship with Christ, and spend energy, time, and resources pursuing those spiritual goals. We are expected to bear fruit. John 15, beginning verse 1. John 15 and verse 1 Jesus said, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you abide in me uh, neither can you unless you abide in me so in other words we must abide in christ to bear fruit and we are expected and required to bear fruit he went on to say i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So we see here that the key to bearing fruit and maturing spiritually is to abide in Christ. And along with that, let his words, his word abide or live in us. And his word abides in us if we are keeping his commandments, if we're living according to his word, then it is abiding in us. For plants to grow, they must have several things, among them nourishment, light, air, and water. If any of these are lacking, a plant will either wither and die or be stunted and produce little or no fruit. From a spiritual perspective, God is the source of each of these elements and He makes them available, but it requires effort on our part to take advantage and make use of what God has provided. Interestingly, God's Word is light, and we see these other uh, elements also spoken of in the scriptures as. Related to the word of God. In Psalm 119 verse 105. It says your word is a lamp. To my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp. And a light. And in Proverbs 6 verse 23. We read for the commandment is a lamp. And the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Peter wrote, and so we have the prophets or the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Speaking here of the scriptures as A light that shines in a dark place. The Greek word pneuma means air, wind, or breath. And it also means spirit. Because spirit is likened to wind or breath. David said, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue the spirit of God spoke through David and hence the word, the word of God was on his tongue. In other words, he was inspired by God's spirit in the things that he spoke or wrote, speaking of the Psalms and other things that he may have written or said, by the way, that's in the second Samuel 23 and verse two. Jesus said also in John 6 verse 63 the words that i speak are spirit and they are life so we see that the word of god is likened to light and it is likened to the air that a plant needs to live and produce fruit and the word of god is also likened to water Paul wrote of Christ that he loves the church and gave himself for it, as we read in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, that is the church, with the washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word. As we we study and read the scriptures, they have the effect of helping to cleanse and wash our hearts and minds of that which is impure. The word of God is also spiritual nourishment. And there is much emphasis on this in the scriptures. We'll spend a little more time on this aspect uh, regarding this analogy. God's word is spiritual nourishment. It is spiritual food. In Luke 4 and verse 4, Luke 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. In other words, bread, or excuse me, the word of God is is, uh, as essential to our spiritual lives as bread or food is to our physical lives. And so do we really grasp that our survival is, Depends on feeding on God's word. Do we hunger for God's word. As we do for our daily food. Job said in Job chapter 23 and verse 12. Job 23 and verse 12. He said. uh, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth. More than my necessary food. I've treasured. The words of his mouth more than my necessary food. It's not enough for us to listen to a sermon once a week or to read an article in a church magazine occasionally. To develop spiritual maturity requires a habit of daily Bible study so that it becomes something we look forward to and hunger after that we find satisfying and fulfilling that nourishes us on a daily basis. That something that we see is essential to our continued vitality, just as a growing child normally eats something every day to sustain physical life and grow to maturity. So we need God's word daily. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. 1 Peter 2 and verse 1, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby in hebrews 5 beginning in verse 12 hebrews 5 verse 12 for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of god or the word of god and you have come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is obeyed but solid food begun, belongs to those who are of full age that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil he's speaking here of spiritual maturity and it takes time and effort to learn the more uh, difficult things relating to scripture. Deeper understanding of God's word comes only with exercising one's senses and one's will to discern between good and evil. And this clues us in on what solid food is. It's not far out speculations about prophecy as some has, have supposed or other perversions that come along. Uh, people weak in understanding often find appealing, the solid meat of God's word has to do with having a firmer grasp of how God's word teaches us to discern between good and evil. As you study God's word in a sound manner, you learn to make the right choices. You come to a deeper understanding of and appreciation for what it teaches about right and wrong. The true wisdom of God, which belongs to the spiritual immature, has to do with coming to a deep understanding and appreciation of the purpose for which God created us and how that may be fulfilled in us, in our lives, and in our relationship with God. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit or reveals them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So, again, he's speaking of spiritual maturity and, and the understanding that comes as we grow toward that maturity. As we properly study and drink in of God's word, we come to understand spiritual truths largely hidden from the world. Because the world, for the most part, rejects God's word. And they may accept bits and pieces of it. But Quite often, many of those who think of themselves as Christians reject much of God's Word. They don't understand it because they have been deceived in certain respects. And we need to make sure that we are not allowing ourselves to be deceived about what the Bible teaches. We need to be growing in understanding in spiritual knowledge and wisdom in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 20, uh, 20 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 20, brethren, do not be children in understanding, however, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In understanding be or become mature. And being fruitful, as we've seen, we are to do requires spiritual wisdom and understanding Colossians chapter 1 beginning verse 9 Colossians 1 verse 9 Paul wrote for this reason also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every Good work and increasing in knowledge of God is strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. So notice how he ties in spiritual wisdom and understanding to bearing fruit and doing those things that are pleasing to God that enable us to walk worthy of our calling. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, has a great deal to say about God's word and how important it is to living a godly life and avoiding calamity. In Proverbs one, beginning or Proverbs two, two rather, beginning verse one, Proverbs two and verse twenty, uh, verse uh, one to twenty-two, Solomon wrote, "My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, now." When he says, you receive my words, think of it as Christ speaking to us because this is God's word. This is God speaking to us through his word. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you may incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, And search for her as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Notice it is who are the recipients of this kind of wisdom those who are upright in the sight of God, who are seeking to. Obey and please God. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, equity, and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. To deliver you from the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things. From those who leave the paths of uprightness. To walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice in doing evil and who delight in the perversity of the wicked. Whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. To deliver you from the immoral woman. From the seductress who flatters with her words. Who forsakes the companion of her youth. And forgets the covenant of her God for her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead now think of this not only as a literal immoral woman but remember the scriptures liken false churches to fallen women and even likened Israel who, who had when they had departed from God to a harlot So this could apply in several ways, and it applies to uh, wisdom helping to preserve us from being deceived by false religion, false teachings. It says her house, again, this could apply in several ways, leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness to keep in the paths of righteousness. For the upright dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. In order to ultimately receive the reward of eternal life, We must overcome, as Scripture makes plain. We must overcome. And this is mentioned especially in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, but it's mentioned elsewhere in many different ways as well. Revelation 2 and verse 7, Jesus said to the church, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. In other words, he's speaking of eternal life. He who overcomes will receive eternal life is what he's telling us. And only those who overcome can eat from that tree of life. This shows that God provides nourishment, but we must make choices in order to partake of it. If we make the wrong choices as Adam and Eve did when they were given a chance to eat from the, the tree, of the garden, the tree of life, then we deprive ourselves of the bread of life. So we must choose to study the Bible, and we make that choice every day. We must choose to act on its teachings, and we must choose to obey its commandments. Of course, if we're going to act on the teachings of the Bible, if we're going to follow the commandments, we've got to know what those teachings are, and we've got to be mindful of the commandments. Paul understood that overcoming is necessary. To attain eternal life and that we are engaged in a lifelong struggle against fleshly lusts and evil influences which prevail in this world philippians chapter 3 beginning verse 8 paul wrote philippians 3 and verse 8 yet indeed i also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of christ jesus my lord and for whom i have suffered the loss of all things Count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And he's not denigrating the law here. Actually, the law is uh, speaking primarily of the old covenant uh, law, but. Uh, just knowing the law as Israel proved or having received the law in the form of the old covenant does not make one righteous. One has to apply the law. One has to have faith to have the righteousness of Christ. And uh, he goes on to say, while well, repeating what I just read, that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness of which is from God by faith that I may know him that is God or Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead not that I've already attained or am already perfected but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which christ jesus is also laid hold of me brethren i do not count myself to have apprehended one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead i press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus therefore let us as many as are mature have this same mind and it and if In anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Now, notice here that Paul did not count himself to have have it made, so to speak. He realized that he must continue that lifelong struggle for godly righteousness, overcoming with the help of God, and continually press forward toward that goal prize of eternal life in the kingdom of god through christ's mercy as we live by faith in god and in christ and strive to please him peter wrote first peter chapter 2 beginning with verse 11 first peter 2 and verse 11 beloved i beg you as sojourners and pilgrims notice he tells us that we are sojourners that is we are like israel going through the wilderness not having yet Reach the promised land. But we are sojourners. We are headed toward that goal. And he says, As sojourners, as pilgrims, seeking the kingdom of God, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of salvation. On one occasion during his ministry, Jesus had been walking from Judea to Galilee through Samaria. He stopped near a city in Samaria, about 35 miles from Jerusalem called Sychar, which is the Shechem of the Old Testament, to rest and drink water from Jacob's well. While there, he had a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And he told her, as we read in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, John 4, and verse 23, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Is to worship in spirit and truth. And then going on in verse 31 of John 4, verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish. His work. Christ's food, his meat, was to do his Father's will. And we must see that doing the will of God is part of our spiritual nourishment. And it is essential to spiritual vitality that we seek to do God's will. And where is God's will revealed? How do we know what God's will is? It is revealed in his word. That's how we come to understand what God's will is for us. We don't just have to guess at it like some people may be inclined to do. But uh, we can look into God's word, study it, and it tells us what his will is for us and how to live our lives. In John chapter 6, beginning in verse 48, John 6 and verse 48 But he went on to say that we are to labor for the food which endures. Now, of course, we have to labor for our physical food as well. But he said in John 6 and verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes. In other words, do not labor only for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. And they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. You believe in him whom he sent. In other words, believe in Jesus Christ. Now the belief of which Jesus spoke is a living faith. In God, in Christ, and in his word. Faith is a key to eternal life. And the key to faith is hearing the word of God. That is listening to the word of God, studying the word of God, taking heed to God's word. As sent through his messengers and recorded in the scriptures. We read in Romans 10. Beginning with verse 6, Romans 10 and verse 6, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Notice the righteousness of faith. Genuine faith produces righteousness. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, uh, with, with with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved for with the heart. One believes unto righteousness. Notice with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. This is not speaking of an empty, dead, fruitless faith but faith which leads to righteous conduct, which produces the fruits of righteousness. It goes on to say, and with the mouth the confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In calling upon the name of God in a proper way. Doesn't matter your ethnicity or what uh, nation you are, race, or any of those things. God is available for anyone to call on who is willing to have genuine faith in him and obey his word. Goes on to say, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But he goes on to say, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Notice the gospel is something that is to be obeyed. It is not only to be heard, but obeyed. In fact, hearing hearing it in the way that God wants us to hear it implies allowing it to sink into our hearts and minds and take root there and grow and produce fruit. They have not all obeyed. Israel was given the message of the word of God, the gospel. But he quotes Isaiah. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Well, if you look at the history of Israel, there were very few who actually believed, who actually obeyed the word of God sent through the prophets. He goes on to say, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Notice that faith is a product of the word of God. But I say, have they not all heard? Or I I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of uh, of the world. So we're told here that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as we focus our minds on God's word and accept its claims not blindly but with living faith our faith grows and is established more firmly toward the goal of eternal life as we apply God's word in our lives notice however that faith goes hand in hand with obedience and submission to God's word disobedience runs counter to faith and is destructive to faith you can't genuinely And truthfully say, you have faith in God if you're uh, constantly disobeying His word. If you ignore, reject His word, and don't obey it, how can you say that you have faith in God's word if you reject it, if you refuse it, as many of the people in ancient Israel did, and continue to do even to this day? Paul wrote in Galatians two and verse twenty. Galatians two and verse twenty. I have been Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are to live by the very faith of Jesus Christ. And we live by that faith if Christ is living in us. If we are living in a spiritual sense, we are living because Christ is living in us. To the extent that Christ lives in us, we will be growing, we will be maturing, and we will be bearing fruit. Jesus said in John 14, John 14 and verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Notice he said, If you love me, Jesus said, If someone loves me, he will keep my word, he will obey it, and we will come to him and make our home with him, meaning the Spirit of God will be dwelling in us. Christ and the Father will be dwelling in us through the Spirit of God. But he went on to say, He who does not love me does not. Keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So Christ lives in us only if we are keeping his word. And only if we are keeping God's word can we grow and develop and mature spiritually. So we see that God's word and keeping God's word is spiritual food. And this is vital if we are to survive and mature as Christians.